thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the Men of Pod podcast. My name is Josh Lyles, joined as always by my friends and brothers in Christ, Hunter Cox, Randy Green, and Josh Green. What's up? How are you guys doing? Good. We, my family went skiing over the weekend and had a blast. So it was my wife and I and our five boys. Four of my boys were learning, but by the end of that second day, we were flying down the mountain. It was so much fun. We're definitely going to do it again next year. So it was a good weekend. Very nice. Very nice. It was a long weekend for our ISD. And so I know, I know y'all, y'all got to get away. There were several families who got to do something like that. We didn't, um, but we did participate in, um, an event called Night to Shine that our church hosted. Uh, it's put on by the Tim Tebow Foundation, and it's a global initiative to um, to really make special needs members of our community feel like they're kings and queens. So essentially, it was it was a prom um, with with all the things. Man, um, we had karaoke, we had um, a buffet for them, we had games. Um, just top to bottom, uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And and at the end of the night, every every special needs person there from the ages um, 14 and up were crowned as prom king or prom queen. And then there was a, a gospel presentation, and so um, it was awesome. Um, and it was just really like a, a a great great event to be part of. And so that was was a really fun really fun time. I got nothing new. Uh, we've just been doing the same old stuff. Uh, we've been busy. Birthday parties. Had a baby dedication for Lauren's brother. Uh, Lauren's brother's baby. Um, in San Angelo. <laughs> Went to that. You know, just just the typical, you know, busy stuff. And then resting on the weekends. Um, I'm thinking about opening an appliance repair shop. Because I installed a new dishwasher. Uh, <laughs> failed to repair the old one. So, so, so you probably I, well, shouldn't open a repair shop. Yeah, yeah. New install shop. Okay. Um, failed to repair the old one, but did. It's working so far um, until last night. Long it wasn't the dishwasher. Long as holds her finger over the leak, <laughs> it'll yep. work. Huh? Wasn't the dishwasher, but our leak, our, our sink, the piping underneath leaked, and it flooded the kitchen. So every... Uh, wood plank we walked on water came up above it and so that was eventful mm. valentine's day night uh but i think it's all good we got a plumber coming uh after our podcast and we should be good hopefully black mold everywhere it's fine oh, God. <laughs> we'll be right. one time um my wife and i had had only been married for a little bit we were actually moving uh, out here for the first time we served at a church here um, over a decade ago and uh, we were in a little apartment and we had a dishwasher and we were we were trying to um, just trying to put our last little things up and so of course we we had dinner that night and I was like I'll I'll run the dishwasher well we packed the dishwashing detergent and so me I was I was young I was like I've got dish soap not the same thing. Mm. Wash the dishes, come around, and it's a small little kitchen, completely filled with suds. bubbly. I'm nice. talking waist deep, <laughs> dishwashing suds, and it was awful. I asked my wife, I was like, do you, do you love me? She's like, well, of course. I was like, well, how much do you love me? <laughs> Walk around the corner, and let's see how much love you, you have for me. She, she went straight to bed, so it was awesome. It was good. Well, good. I'm glad that you can install a dishwasher. You know Doesn't I mean? it feel great, though, when you install something and it does work? 
Yes. And there's nothing worse than getting I stuck and not being able to finish the project. I'm, I'm really not going to talk about how long it took yeah. or how frustrated I got, you know, but it's fun. It's, it works. Yeah. Both it's times good. in our 20 year marriage that I've actually successfully repaired something. I really appreciate it. Felt yeah. good about it. What were those things? Yeah, I can't, I can't even tell you. <laughs> Gone. Uh, the only thing new with me about the most exciting thing is I got hung up on a jury for a whole week um, here recently. And so uh, it was inconvenient, but also really interesting as well. I needed to be working. I needed to be getting some stuff done, but it took up a whole week and it was just a civil case. So it was a lawsuit over contractual um, issues. And so, you know, it wasn't. It was serious, obviously, for the parties involved, but it wasn't like I was having to look at murder photos or abuse or anything like that. And so, um, but yeah, it took a whole week and uh, just the whole process, seeing that through, it was pretty interesting to be involved uh, and take part in something like that. So, Did they uh, sequester you? They did not. What does that they mean? They just told us that that means where we actually have to stay, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like stay the night in a hotel, okay, all that right, kind right. of stuff. But Can't ours was just, they did give us instructions every night not to discuss it with anybody. Like I couldn't talk to my wife about it. I couldn't talk to you guys about it. I could say it was a civil case and then I was on the jury, but I could not give any other details. Than did they that. give you a per diem? Did you get? So, I did, supposedly. They haven't mailed the check yet. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that work with Kendall Morgan? Do you get PTO for it? Uh, Kendall Morgan actually has a, uh, a designation for jury duty. So, again, Perfect. I'll find out when so I get paid. Can, can you talk about the case now? I can or fully talk like, about it. Who was no. it? <laughs> yeah, I can fully talk about it now that it's over. That it's over. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was able to like go home and talk to Keely. So, about just tell us, guilty, not guilty? Uh, it was, so it was, uh, it was the <laughs> one party successfully sued the other mm. party. So, uh, that's what, uh, we found that the, uh, contract was, uh, breached. Yes. Ooh, not complied nice. with, mm. uh, and that he was due some damages for that. Did y'all have like a, an intense debate about it or was it? No, everything was pretty clear cut until we got to how much the debt, because that's where it's really Do hard. Do you have to decide that as well? So like, yes, they, we had to put a dollar amount to it. Oh, wow. And so there was like a lot of conversation about things like, uh, how much was his reputation damaged? How do you put a number on that? That's pretty hard. Uh, but that is damages to him in the area. And then, uh, for the company and, uh, the equipment and things like that. Uh, so we, we did actually have to put numbers and then things like, uh, attorney attorney's fees, you know, is he do, you know, should the people he's suing pay his attorney fees? Because the only reason why they're there is because they failed to comply with the contract. So, uh, we mm -hmm. had to decide all that. And, it, and like I said, it's pretty cool, pretty cool discussion, pretty cool. Just seeing the whole process played out. You know, the first time they objected and stood up, I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. It's pretty go. cool, man. You, you said know? overrule. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to. I just kept my mouth shut. That's a lot so. of pressure, though, coming up with a, with a number. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. Especially they, if it's something you don't you know nothing about. The attorneys make a case for it, so they try to give you parameters. Uh, and then, you know, so... So the person that's suing the other people, they're, they're, they want a certain amount of money. Then the other attorney is saying, no, they shouldn't get that much for this reason or zero, you know, they should get zero money or they should not get that much money or, or whatever the case. And so we had some numbers to work with. It wasn't a complete oh, yeah. blank slate. That makes sense. Uh, we just had to kind of talk it out a little bit in our group. Cool. Well, speaking of numbers and talking out numbers. Yes. I've got, I've got a hypothetical situation with some numbers tied to it that I want us to talk about. I was on Twitter the other day, um, and I stumbled upon this scenario. Now, I think it's been around for years um, because there's 
there's tons of posts about it, but here, here's the gist of it. Okay. What would you choose to survive for an hour and why would you choose them? Right? So, so here's the thing, pick two groups to help defend you against all the other groups for one hour. Okay. The others are coming to kill you. They have nothing. They're focused on nothing except for your utter decimation. It's a good word. Here it is. Your options are 50 hawks, 10 crocodiles, three brown bears, a.k.a. grizzlies, 15 wolves, one hunter with unlimited Hunter ammo. Cox? Or <laughs> Not this hunter. Here, okay. It could be this hunter. hunter. Okay. Seven buffalo, 10,000 rats, five gorillas, or four lions. So once again... 50 hawks, 10 crocodiles, three grizzlies, 15 wolves, a hunter with unlimited ammo, seven buffalo, 10,000 rats, five gorillas, four lions. Whoever you choose can understand your commands, fully communicate with each other, okay? They, everybody wants to, to, to kill you. Everybody else is working together against you and your choices. Um, and then, obviously, the hunter has enough ammo to take everyone out. But it's not a guaranteed shot. They have to be. They have to be good, right? Um, so, who would you choose to survive for an hour, and why? I personally, the first one I would pick is the fifty hawks, and I had some people. We, we've been talking about this, and and I think I talked them into it because my thing is, if you have the fifty hawks and you communicate with them, you can say, hey, first thing take out the hunter's eyes because if the hunter doesn't have eyes it doesn't matter if they have any guns or not and then i can take the gun and use that all right and use that on the bigger things and then the second thing a lot of people want the ten thousand rats i mean almost anybody i've talked about this wants the ten thousand rats i don't i don't i don't think it's a bad choice i just don't i wouldn't pick the rats i think i would pick the five gorillas because you only have to survive for an hour you need some brute strength to fight the brute strength that's around you. And then, again, you can communicate with the hawks to work on taking out things' eyes, which is what I would do. The gorillas just have to protect me from the big things that are coming at me, the, the, the grizzlies and all that, while the hawks are kamikazing and taking out eyes. Survive for an hour. Get the gun from the hunter. Let's go. That's <clears throat> tough. I thought you were smarter than that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You there can was, hang out there with was, your rats, Josh. Let there was noticeable disgust on Josh's face, yeah. Josh Lyles' face, while you were talking. So, to be honest, There's 10,000 <laughs> rats. Do you know how many rats are 10,000? It's a lot of rats. It's a lot of let rats. Let me ask dude. you this. If you die by rats, how you many be times? In the first place. Dude, but imagine dying by rats, though. <laughs> like, that's terrifying. I also, know. Go like this. <laughs> but 10,000 of them? Get some off. I know yeah. that if a mouse ran across your foot, you would jump through the ceiling. <laughs> Okay. And that's a mouse. <laughs> I'm not saying I would like it. I'm saying you have the hawks and the gorillas, and you guys try for an hour. You can run. You can grab the gun. You can pick up a branch and like, use it like a bat. Like, I think you can kill some rats. And if they bite you, that sucks. But the, a, a one rat bite's not going to kill you. Like, one crocodile bite might kill you. But So I got the gorillas as bodyguards. 10,000 rat bites might kill you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eventually. I, d I do like the clarification that we can communicate to the animals. Yes. And, and you know, they can get on the same page. So I'm going to agree with you on the, on the hawks yes. for sure. And I don't know if it's possible, but 
if the Hawks can pick you up and, you know, fly yeah. you around, that's money. And then the rats. The rats are the second choice for sure. Cause it, for sure. Like, it's not 10, even a consideration. No. No, it's 10,000, dude. Imagine, like, a New York City subway rat just munching on your leg. Yeah. But 10,000 of them? Dude, that's that's a lot in an arena. I'm just saying, uh, was it an arena? Is that what we yeah, talked so about? There, there are a couple of different scenarios. One one is you're, you're in an open field, um, just right now, no prep time. Um, one was was like a, you're in an arena. One is you're right here in your living room, and they're coming at you, and you got an hour to prepare or whatever. But uh, but yeah, I think I think some of those may make a difference. But yeah, because if it's an open field, actually, I'll probably change and go to a line. I'll just jump on the lion's bag and run away. Boy, you lying, gonna... man. Dude. <laughs> no way. Uh, but, yeah, no, no, my choice is the is the rats and the, and the hawks But for sure. if you only have rats and hawks, you're basically assuming the rats can jump on all the, the big, strong things and deter them long enough for you to get away to safety. I think. Yeah. Like, you're saying there's, like, you sign a, a thousand of the rats to just attack the grizzly bears, and hopefully that that messes the grizzly enough to where it can't paw you because – you seen the movie? What's that movie with the Leo? Revenant? The Revenant, dude. Oh, dude. you catch one paw, Bro, you're done, you're dude. In trouble, <laughs> you're done. So at least you have some gorillas. You got somebody kind of keeps some of the brute strength yeah. off you. I think your philosophy of go attack the eyes of the hunter applies to every big animal. Yes, I agree. I saw on a YouTube video <laughs> an eagle attack the eyes of a grizzly bear, and the grizzly bear was done for. I mean, yeah. he didn't kill him, but. Yeah. He but couldn't see. see. To yeah, immobilize them for an hour is yeah. the key. So I think the hawks are a no-brainer. And then I think the other ones can be debated. And then once they're blind... Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Randy, what do you got? Man, <laughs> I did not think about this nearly as much as y'all did. And I apologize for not being prepared. When I, just, I mean, y'all are going to laugh at me and you know, attack this. But that's fine. I'm, I'm a grown man. Uh, I just, I was like four lions and 15 wolves. I think we could take any of those things for sure. So you're dying first. All right. <laughs> maybe, Next. maybe, but I mean, 15 wolves. Yeah. Wolves are huge. Dude, wolves Dude, are wolf pack They're is, bigger is than mean. you think and faster than you think. I saw that great wolf lodge commercial for Super Bowl, <laughs> And that wolf was like as big as their kitchen. I was like, yeah. I did not know they were that big. Yeah. I mean, I've seen twilight too. And so, uh, <laughs> they were pretty scary on that one. So, but I think 15 yeah. wolves is nothing to sneeze at. And then, you know, the four lions again are big, strong and fast. You think about gorillas, they are strong, but they don't have any really fangs or uh, talons or <laughs> claws or anything like that. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the hawks are compelling, I guess, I guess, um, what? Dude, I, mean, I guess. I mean, if they can lift you up and you can literally fly away. You have away. an air game and a ground game. Of, yeah. of the hierarchy of all of these groups, the Hawks are the most mobile because they can fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can avoid and danger and you can only, you can, if I mean, they take out the hunter first, there's no 50, threat to 50 them. Hawks. That's a lot of Hawks. That's a lot of Hawks. Yeah. And Hawks are fierce. Uh, Wolves was kind of up there. I will tell you, Liam Neeson that was, I think that was the closest thing in a movie that ever got to killing him, right? <laughs> that wolf movie? Yeah, like it was in the North Pole or something. Yeah, yeah. he was in so, danger. Yeah, yeah. Taking one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> never in danger. But the wolves almost put it to him. So uh, there may be something there, you know? I think with the wolves, though, like, if the wolves are guarding you, like, I don't know if they can do, like, I think a crocodile would beat a wolf. I think a crocodile would have a much harder time beating a gorilla than a wolf. 
I think I think I would do like uh, if I chose wolves, I would do hawks as defense, take out the eyes, yeah. whatever, and then wolves as the attack. You know what I mean? Like, hey, go get the ones that go go get the but hunter with the rifle. You would consider wolves. I would consider wolves before I would consider your other one. What was gorillas? it? Gorillas. Gorillas. Yeah, I feel like gorillas are powerful, but probably a little too slow. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one thing we can, us, though, yeah. compared to these other animals, yeah. yes. One thing we can all agree on: nobody's picking the buffalo. No, nobody's no. picking the buffalo. They're they are pretty powerful. I, I mean, they're say powerful. I would probably pick. I guess you could ride a buffalo. They're a maybe. shield. I would pick I mean, the buffalo before I'd pick the crocodiles. Yeah, no. So, Lyles, what crocs out of two? water. I, did, I never. Heard, I heard some some uh, considerations, but I never yeah, heard yeah. your final. Mine, two. my final two would be would be the hawks and the rats. My dog. I, initially, I was like, I don't know about the rats, and then. Um, on that tweet thread, somebody, somebody tweeted um, a thousand little rat icons, and I was like, "Dude, that's a lot of rat icons." <laughs> you multiply that by ten, think- that's a lot. And you know, the average size of a rat is almost a foot, and they they weigh somewhere about a pound a piece. I think that would be like if if the rats were on your team, that would be a significant nuisance to have to deal with. Like, it's not like I'm ignoring them. I just think the advantage of the hawk, and the only reason I picked the gorilla like over the bears is because there was five gorillas to three bears. If it would have been reversed, five bears to three gorillas, I probably would have picked the bears. I just feel like you got to have something to deal with some of the brute strength that's coming at you. Who do you think wins one v one, grizzly versus gorilla? Grizzly. I would say the bear. Grizzly. What about five gorillas versus three bears? Three bears. What? Mm-hmm. No. Mm, I don't know. Dude, gorillas are Dude, catch you catch one paw, you catch one right hook from a grizzly. But what if the the bear misses and the 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 gorilla just pummels it? Like it's it's going to be in trouble. And again, you just going to survive for an hour. You ain't going to live there the rest of your life. Yeah. So that's why I think you need something to do with some of the brute strength. The goal is distraction, though. I think, dude, enough rats to distract every animal. Like the rats, the rats, rats are compelling. I just want something. I want something stronger. Yeah. I want the I want the strategery of the hawks with the strength of the gorilla. There's like, and I'm grabbing the gun as fast as I can. With mine, fifty hawks, ten thousand rats. There are an additional forty five or so animals trying to kill me. So you just what's what's ten thousand divided by forty five? Like two hundred, almost two hundred rats a person or a thing. Yeah, surely you could just be like. Do you think you can kill two hundred rats in one hour? But they're so uh, squirmy and gross. They are gross. Yeah, that'd be the worst part. <laughs> I saw one. They talked about what if the rats have the black plague. Oh so my god! Yeah, that, that's a different dynamic too. But if it, I think it really does change it. If it's an open field, you can do. You can get the lions ride the lion away and then take the hawks and the hawks yeah. just catch anything that's coming close to you have y'all ever seen uh ghost in the darkness you seen that movie oh yeah Woof. that's a, a good one. one have you seen it yeah. oh about man the lions. that's the uh lions, who yeah. was that val kilmer it was yeah, like yeah. michael douglas or something oh, yeah. or, or that uh, have you seen it hunter i've never seen it no like a a lion gets the taste of human flesh yes and is just picking off these people from the village and so his this hunter's job is to take out the lion. I can't remember how it ends. I think the lion <laughs> is dies. Is it based on a true story? <laughs> uh, uh, no. Yeah, let's go with yeah. yeah I don't okay. know. Right. I know 
that's a thing though that like once they get a taste of flesh they just (laughs) yeah well i obviously didn't do much to think about this but you guys uh you know you've prepared me so when i'm in this situation (laughs) i'll have some more informed decisions. Hey, man, with the way, You've already died, dude. You haven't even lasted this long. <laughs> yeah, you're done. Go, go hang way, out with your dead wolves. With the way the world's going, we may, we, maybe soon, maybe soon that we're in this scenario. It's I'm sure y'all have seen the movie commercial about the bear. Have you seen it yet? If you don't know what I'm talking about already? No. The movie's called Cocaine Bear. Oh, I have heard It's on that. TV. Like, yeah. it, it's like a, yeah. I'm like, what? Were they what smuggling are, it? I think I heard some guys talking about this. Something, yeah, uh, like a payload fell in a forest and, it, and a the, bear got, the bear into, got it. into it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I think it says based off of a true story. So I think, I, and I, I know, think that funny. bear's on display somewhere like in Kentucky. Oh, hey, but that's wild. The Nate podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> For real. <laughs> okay. Um, well, man, I, I could talk about that forever. There's a hierarchy of, of why I would choose the ones I would choose and uh, who I would choose next and why. All the way down, there's actually um, a YouTube channel where they do things just like this, and they'll take uh, animals and say, this has this much power, this has this much mobility, this is why this one would win in a fight. And uh, they have some, some good resources, so if you guys want to check it out. I'm sure we do. Yeah. Um, I'll put <laughs> it in right the show notes. When I get back to work. I'll, I'll put a link to you that said video. You could talk about this forever. Both sentences I uttered about it is the extent... <laughs> <laughs> is the extent of my I about it five minutes this, before yeah. the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey... Um, Last time we talked about uh, manhood, uh, the concept of, of biblical manhood, whether or not that phrasing is accurate. Uh, we talked about what it means to be a man of God based on the scripture. And, and um, today I thought maybe we could, we could just chat a little bit about um, in, in being a man, um, a word that, that Josh Green said last time that has resonated with me, I think, I think is a great word is, uh, cultivate. Um, like we're, we're called to cultivate, um, our hearts, ourselves in, in our relationship with God and then cultivate the relationships, um, that we have with, with others. Um, so I thought maybe we would talk about, um, cultivating our relationships with, um, with our wives we're all married. Um, and then maybe talking about how, uh, we can cultivate, our relationships with um, our kids and cultivate their hearts toward the Lord. Uh, and then maybe, um, maybe talk a little bit about like our free time as a man, like what, what do we do in our leisure with our hobbies? Um, and so, so maybe we can, we can chat about that. Also, I got these ideas from Josh Green. So <laughs> I thought maybe we would talk about it because they're great ideas that you have. Well, So good job. You're the host this week. I don't know about that. So, what I do know is that word cultivating comes from like Genesis two. Like it's not original with me by any means, but what you see is like God calls Adam to cultivate the garden. And then he tells him and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. And like, it's just this idea that carries really all throughout the Bible into Ephesians five. And where it's talking about like a man should lay his life down for the benefit of the woman. Like our job is to leverage our power and our strength to empower and encourage and and help her be all that God has designed her to be as the woman. Like that is kind of our role in marriage. And so I think it's this idea of cultivating her and, and making sure that, that she is thriving and growing and that she feels loved and cherished and taken care of and all that. And so that idea of cultivating has really stuck with me over the years. Um, and I think there's moments when I do a really good job 
of doing that, and there's a lot more moments when I really drop the ball in that regard. But when I step back, like that's kind of my hope, and that's the that's what I want like her to feel uh, when she really thinks through our relationship. I want her to feel known, loved, cherished, cared for, all those things. And so I think it's my job to cultivate that and to go first. So how how do you think you can specifically do that? Like, what are some practical things if if you know, our listeners were, were wondering, like, how can I cultivate my relationship with my wife? What does that look like? I think the cliche answer would be read the Bible and pray with her. And I don't think that's a bad answer, but I just think there's not like a magic formula that if I do this and it works for me, then if you do this with your wife, it'll automatically magically work for her. And so I think you have to know your wife, which means you have to listen, you have to know, you have to consider, you have to know her heart and her bent, her personality and all those things. Um, at the same time, it's not that I have to sit there and do a devotion or a Bible study with my wife as much as it is that I'm creating some space so that she can do whatever is going to build her up in the Lord and encourage her in the Lord and help her faith grow. And so my wife and I have never really done a Bible study or a book study together. We've tried it before and it just not worked. But what we do is I do my personal Bible study in the mornings and so does Callie. And I'm creating space and just helping make sure like the kids stay out of that room and, and, and really checking in with her and making sure that she's able to have that time with the Lord and grow. And so that's what it looks like for us right now. Um, it might look totally different once the kids get out of high school and are on their own and we're empty nesters. It looked way different 10 years ago when we had little kids and foster kids and all that. And so right now in this season of life, it seems to be working. Um, and I'm just trying to make sure that, that she has what she needs to be able to invest the time into her relationship with God so that she can grow. And, and that's what it looks like right now. And so that's the answer now, I guess is what I'm saying. But it's going to change because life changes. I think, so. I think to think of life not, not as um, a linear thing, I guess, uh, but, but in as like seasons, like we're all in different seasons. Yes. Life is linear, but, um, but, but like we can, we can clearly identify like, Hey, this season of life with, with young kids for me looks a lot different than it will when my kids are in middle school or high school or whatever, uh, sports look different. Um, extracurricular involvement looks different. Um, our homework routine, all that kind of stuff does. And so I I think that's a, a great, a great thought is like, Hey, it, there, there's not like a, a clear cut answer for everyone, mm-hmm. um, but I think I think what you said uh, is really important. It's like hey, like know her. Yes, and that's again. I don't want to just talk the whole time. I really want to know what you guys. You're think. You're doing great, buddy. Just keep on <laughs> keep on rolling, man. We're just, we're just so, good listeners right now. <laughs> so I, I like I like to think about this idea. If I were if I had a like if I was in front of the church on a Sunday morning. And I asked the wives in that room to raise their hand if they felt known, loved, and heard by their husband, how many would raise their hand? And I think a lot of times, again, because life happens, a lot of times we can go through the transaction of marriage and family, but but kind of miss some of the heart of it. And, you know, we are accomplishing practices and the schedule and we're waking up on time and we're, we're checking all the boxes, but somewhere along the way, like, we've stopped really listening. We've stopped really asking hard questions. We don't really know what's going on with our wife's heart. We don't know her concerns. We don't know what she's celebrating. We don't know what she's looking forward to. Like, and so I think as a husband, it takes a lot of work because we tend to be very selfish uh, because of sin and just because of our bent 
but it takes a lot of actual effort to really consider our wives and to know her and to listen to her and to and to I, but I think that's where they feel cherished is when they feel known and considered and loved. That's when they feel cherished. And that's when I think we're really stepping into the role that God's called us because what it means for all of our wives to feel known, loved and cherished may be radically different, but it's our job to learn that and then to invest in our wives so that she does feel that from us and ultimately, hopefully from God, obviously. That's good. I wonder how many men like get married and think, okay, that's the hard part. Find, finding a wife getting her to agree to marry me. That, that's the hard part, but like are so fooled whenever or shocked whenever like they wake up the next day and it's like, okay, this is where it's really difficult, you know? And instead of putting in the hard work, they would rather just kind of come home, do their thing, go through the motions, whatever. Um, so I, th- I think, I think it's a good perspective of like always, always pursue, always cherish, always get to know her. Um, it's great. Do other gentlemen have anything? My mind goes to Ephesians 6, which, again, is a well-known passage on this issue. But uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, uh, just about, um, you know. Put on the whole armor of God. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you need it in marriage. <laughs> For sure. Put on the chassis belt of faith. <laughs> is, it, is it your wife's fiery dart that are coming at you? Uh, but yeah, Ephesians five, where you know we are called to love our wives like Christ loves the church, which ultimately, obviously, Christ died for the church, and so it's the sacrificial um, death of our own uh, selves and our own desires sometimes to love our wife and to love our kids and love our family well and to be the men that God called us to be. And I heard somebody say a long time ago that you know we're we're called to to die to self in in a lot of ways. And that's often going to feel like death (laughs) Uh, because it's not the easy thing to do. It's going to be painful. It's not going to be easy. It's not even going to be want to. And so I've made the joke before in the past, which is not really a joke, but I joke about everything. It's how I deal with things. So you just deal with that. Uh, But I made the joke like uh, every crown that I would have uh, in heaven uh, my attitude is going to get it erased. You know what I mean? Like I've done some good things, but I've done it with a bad attitude. I've been salty about it. And you know, uh, you know, I made the joke too that, you know, my kids might grow up one of these days and say, you know, dad loved us and cared for us and he was there for us. You know, he took us to practice. He showed up to our games and he cheered us on. He was mad about it and complained about it the whole time, <laughs> but he was there. Uh, and so, um, you know, dying to ourselves and loving, getting to know our wife. And, you know, I mean, when we've had a long day to just say, you know, I'm still going to come home and, and serve my wife and uh, give her the space that she needs and make sure that she's cared for and loved and nurtured and, and those kind of things. It's not easy to do, but that's what God has called us to do. And thankfully, um, God has given us his spirit to help us in that. And I think we have to remind ourselves all the time that uh, to be the men that God called us to be, uh, he's not asked us to do that in our own power, uh, but he's given us a helper in the spirit to actually empower us to do those things. Uh, if we lean on him and um, and, and uh, just tap into that power source. That's great. Yeah, no, I, I think I get I get stuck in the routine of, you know, doing all the checklist items as a husband, you know, being a provider and doing all these things, but and not connecting emotionally with Lauren. Uh, and I've failed at that, you know, time and time again. And I've, I think I've grown at it and, and, you know, 
have gotten better as I've gotten older uh, about asking her more about what her goals are, what she aspires to be, um, you know, and everything that, uh, that surrounds her, you know, and, and really just cultivating that relationship with her and digging deeper into her life as opposed to just being this singular husband that's just, you know, checking off all these boxes for her and doing these things but not actually talking to her and, you know, digging deeper into actually what her emotionally needs are and doing that side of it. But I think that that has to be a clear focus as a husband uh, and what we have to do as men um, in order to have a healthy cultivating relationship with your wife. I mean, that's what, that's what we're called to do. That's what Jesus called us to do uh, as men uh, in our marriage. And yeah, that's, but that's what I've been working on is, you know, instead of doing the checkbox, you know, typical husband duties, you know, go deeper than that, do, um, you know, connect with her at a more emotional level. That's good. Um, I, th- I think too, that's kind of part of what it means to die to yourself. Like, so my natural tendency is I want to check out. I want to relax. I just want to unwind. But like the die to yourself part is yes, you want to do that, but there's a higher calling that I need to step into in this moment. And I've got to engage and I've got to listen. And so like, again, not that I'm, I feel, I feel like more than I succeed, but like that's kind of the heart and the hope is that I would be willing to lay down my preference and my pride and what I would prefer so that I might love her and consider her. And what I found is when I actually do that with pure pure motives, it's actually the most invigorating thing I could do in that moment. It's way more um, refreshing than just sitting there and vegging out and checking out. But the, the want to do that isn't always there. And I think that's where we definitely need the spirit. And that's where we have to tap in and say, okay, in this moment, I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to trust the scriptures that I'm supposed to die to myself, that there's this call on my life to invest in my wife. And I'm going to do that even if I don't feel like it, but because I know it honors God and I know that she needs it. And I'm going to step into that. When I obey like that, it tends to create a lot of joy and refreshment in me. Um, and then what I've also learned too is my wife doesn't necessarily want me to fix her. She's very capable of accomplishing the things for her. A lot of times she just wants me to hear her. And so a question that I do ask like on date night and, and periodically is like, how is your heart? And that's an open-ended question where if she feels like talking, she can talk about whatever she wants. But if she doesn't, she can say, hey, it's going good and we can move on. Or I will say something like, what are you most excited about? Or what are you most worried about? And again, if there's nothing pressing, she can just say she's fine or, or good. But if there is something, it's just an open window for her to speak. And then I can listen. And again, that's when it gets tricky too because you want to kind of fix something. And there are times where you need to like offer suggestions and fix it. Sometimes you just need to listen. And so you got to be discerning there. And I can't really help you with that one because I'm terrible at it. But I think what where where we can get some big wins is to listen and then to actually pray for and follow up a day or two or three or four later. I feel like that's when they, it's like confirmed. It wasn't just that moment, but you've been praying, considering, thinking about her, and then you follow up. And I think they really feel loved by that. At least that's kind of been my experience um, in my marriage. I'm notorious for if, if we're good, if we're happy, there's no arguments. I assume it's all good. You know, I don't have to do anything else. And that's where stuff starts to build up. You know, there's emotional stuff that doesn't get brought up and talked about, you know, and then that's when it boils over at some point, it's going to happen if you don't talk about it and, you know, have that, that, uh, communication then. Yeah. But I'm, I'm extremely notorious for, Hey, it's all good. You know, we're smiling, we're laughing. It's, it's all good. But 
you know, you still got to have the conversations, even, even when things are going good, still got to have those conversations to check in, um, uh, check in each other's hearts and, and still, yeah, still, I don't know. Yeah. Just open that yeah. line of communication up. I think it's easy to not do those things and to just act like everything is okay. Yeah. And when you, when you do that, man, you're, you're right, Hunter, those things, those things can, can build on each other and build on each other. And then there's just this volatility and, and just kind of like this um, thickness sometimes in the air, if, if you can't have tough, healthy conversations. And, mm-hmm. and I think, I know Josh Green preached a sermon um, a couple of weeks ago that was, that was really helpful to a lot of people about um, a healthy view of conflict resolution, right? Because like the, the Bible guides us um, on, on how we can um, have those conversations in, in a fair way, in a way that, um, you know, is, is in light of the scripture, in light of how God wants us to handle those things um, in order to grow closer together and grow closer to him. Um, and, and hopefully one day, maybe we can, we can have that conversation on here. Yeah. I think, I think that would be really helpful um, to hash out and helpful for our listeners. Um, uh, is there anything else, as far as cultivating our marriage that we can think of as, as men who are pursuing God, what, what are some other things maybe that we can take into consideration or that we can point our listeners to? I do think there are some very practical things as well. Like, are you guys actually like taking a day or two off a week? Um, cause a lot of people don't, um, it's their day off, but it's just packed with, I was just, are you talking about from work? Mm-hmm. What well, are you talking about talking about, taking off from what? So like my wife has a food business and she can easily work seven days a week. Yeah. Um, but it, because some of that's like parties or like making, you know, stuff to be delivered. And, and so yeah. I really try to talk to her about, Hey, what, what day this week are you going to kind of unplug and not produce and do the things that you're, you know, constantly in the weeds with. Like for me, I'm, I'm in ministry and Friday is I'm off and I really try to unplug on Fridays. The kids are at school and I can kind of just, just check out a little bit from like the daily wear and tear of, of ministry. Uh, I try not to meet with people on Friday. Um, because usually I'm meeting with people every other day, uh, during the week. And so, just trying to have those good work and rest rhythms. And so, again, for us, it might look different than um, if your wife has a typical, you know, Monday through Friday job. Uh, but I think the idea of rest, whatever that looks like, is very, very important. Um, and and so, like, when I'm thinking about my marriage, I, I'm really trying to make sure that that we are taking care of ourselves, you know, mind, body, soul, all those all those kind of areas. Um and I think that you you got to discuss those things. I think we we try to have at least one date meal a week. Sometimes it's a lunch, which isn't like super romantic, but we're just trying to connect in this season of life. And sometimes it's just a random Tuesday lunch or something, and and we can kind of connect. It's it would be nice to have a, a weekly date night. That's never really worked for us. We do date as much as we can, but sometimes it's a lunch, and sometimes it's not every week. Uh, we do try to get away uh, once a semester, just me and my wife. Um, and that's always super helpful, but you really have to plan that in advance and, and work your way around that, uh, not just financially, but just with your schedules. But I think practically those things are all really important because again, if you just keep coasting, you look up and you haven't really had a meaningful conversation. You, you're not really being friends anymore. You're not doing things that you both enjoy. You're not connecting, um, outside of your normal daily routines. And so I think, I think you've got to know your wife. You got to know you, like your personalities and how that meshes. But you really need to consider how you're going to connect 
in all those areas with her. My wife brought this up the other day is that I need to do a better job of not, she wasn't grilling me or nothing, but she said I need to do a better job at dating her, yeah. which it was fair. I mean, I, I completely agreed because I do need to pursue her daily and talk, I mean, and plan stuff out, you know, take trips, you know, do date night. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It no, may really just be, it. yeah, going to eat lunch in the park. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be some extravagant deal. So yeah, you know, that's set up really good, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, I'm steaming up ideas here. Uh, but, yeah, that, that was just a conversation we've had actually over the past week. Um, and I've been trying to put a, you know, a higher focus on it. So uh, I, I think it's just um, invaluable. Obviously, that, that goes without saying to just uh, pursue your wife and, and always learn her and know that you know even even like our lives change in seasons maybe um maybe we can too um so so here's the thing man i think we have a lot a lot left to talk about um that i wanted to talk about today but but this was a really good subject and and um i don't want to shortchange any of the others uh so why don't we just maybe call it quits not on our marriages <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe just encourage anybody listening to guys. I mean, all of us here are in, are in process on this. And oh, so yeah. I think there was a lot of great stuff shared today, but I think we would all agree that none of us have achieved this mm. uh, at a level that we would say is like, yeah, we're, we're, we're knocking this out of the park. We're all, all have work to do, all have uh, areas to grow or, or ways to grow in this area, I should say. Yeah. And so anybody listening to this, I would just encourage you like, just start, you know, hit, yep. hit the pause button and, and uh, just be obedient to what God's calling you to do. And don't feel like you have to do it perfectly or, uh, you know, just completely kill it. You know, progress over perfection all day or always. Day. Yeah, I think that's great. That's great. And, um, you know, understand that that you can't properly cultivate your relationship with your spouse unless you're cultivating your relationship with the Lord. Um, There's always going to be, you know, you're you're, you're two sinners trying to make things work. Um, But if you can't, if you can't be introspective with the Lord and and spend time with him and, and pursue him, then it's going to make it um, exponentially more challenging to have the healthy kind of relationship that he expects for us to have um, in matrimony. I had a couple of people like two different couples over the last maybe month, um, very kindly compliment my wife and our marriage and just kind of just talking about how awesome we were. And that's very kind. But I I also kind of jokingly said, the only reason you're impressed with me is because you don't know me. (laughs) (laughs) If you were really in the home and in all the conversations. I agree with that. Yeah. (laughs) But like, we're all kind of messed up people. And like, if you're impressed with us, that's probably just because you don't know all the ins and outs. Like, like, if you hung out with me long enough, there'd be things that, that would probably be appalling to you because I'm a sinner and I fall <laughs> short, you know, and I completely missed the mark. Mm-hmm. And just because I, I know a bunch of information about what I should do doesn't necessarily even remotely guarantee that I'm going to actually do that. Yeah. But um, but you're trying to, though. I mean, trying. you're working and, on it, yeah. man. Yeah. And so I think be encouraged with that. Like, like if you, if you would say, hey, I've not been leading my wife, like where should I start? The first thing is exactly what Josh said. Make your make your time with God a, the number one priority of your life right now, and you really work on your relationship with God, and then just start listening. Ask her questions and listen, and go from there. Like you learn a lot by actually listening and not just listening to respond. Yeah. And so just ask her, ask her what's on her heart. Write it down, begin praying for it, and then follow up, and just see what begins to happen. Mm-hmm. You can worry about the, all the details and all the specifics as you build. Just start with listening, yeah. and go from there. 
yeah, great work. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's all progress. I mean, uh, you continually have to work towards it. I mean, it's, you know, by ourselves, it's really hard, but man, when we bring the Lord into it, it makes it a whole lot easier. Yeah. So yeah. great words, fellas. Well, Hey, let's do this. Let's wait on parenting. Okay. Wait on how I'll, we I'll let my our, kids know today after school. <laughs> <laughs> how we spend our <laughs> leisure time. We, we can have those conversations a little bit later. I think I think there was some really good uh, really good meat in this conversation to chew on. And I feel like if if we continue, maybe we, we would be here forever. We'd be here five yeah. ever. It would take us so long to talk about. It. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, anyways, uh, as always, I love you, men. Uh, thanks for for who you are and and um, the way that, that you pursue the Lord and and that. Um, you hold me accountable, uh, so I, I appreciate that. And uh, I just can't wait for my wife to listen to this and be like, "Hey, that stuff sounded <laughs> really great, buddy. When, when are we going to start?" Yeah, yeah. Your wife's listen to this. I'm safe, man. All right. Well, it's been real. It's been fun. Hopefully, it's been real fun. I know that uh, Josh Green would get demolished if he had to survive an hour because <laughs> of his choices Please. of. But surviving in marriage, he's better. He's done well. Yeah, he's done well. He's, he's, done well. he's more fit to survive a marriage than he is an hour with all those animals coming at him. So. Y'all's arguments were terrible. Mine well, were amazing. Hawks and rats, baby. Hawks and rats for life. <laughs> well, right. well, 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 see you later. Okay. Later. Big old